Alrighty, we are back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. It's episode number 471, and we're recording live on Tuesday, June the 30th. It's the last day of the month, people. And uh, for the Canadians who are listening and watching, tomorrow's Canada Day. It's a holiday here. So happy Canada Day. And for the American people uh, who are out there, you have your July 4th uh, this week as well. So you know, lots of holidays, lots of celebrations, you know, socially distanced and all that. So uh, enjoy, be happy. How are you, Abriana? I'm pretty good. Hanging in there. Um, you know, just enjoying family time, hot, humid Atlanta. Uh, we're actually escaping to the beach next week. So I am looking forward to just, you know, some sun and sand and hopefully not a lot of people. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just taking it all in. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in the industry, right? There is a lot of stuff going on in the industry. We have a few good stories this week, but uh, yeah, lots of changes are coming. Uh, I think we're going to kind of let that settle, get through the holidays. We'll come back next week and talk more about some of the, the bigger picture issues in our industry, but uh, we do have a good show for you this week, including a return of our members at home guest series. Uh, so I'll let Abriana kick us off. All right. Well, this story comes from X Mode, and if you're not familiar with X Mode, um, they are a location intelligence provider. Um, you know. I've known about X mode for a while. They started off with uh, drunk mode, you know, which kind of helped you find your friends and let people know that you're okay whenever you maybe are out and having a good time. Um, and that has transitioned into X mode now. And so they have a location SDK um, and they work with, you know, several, several different um, industries, but mostly marketing and advertising. And they've now launched a consent API for all of their partner apps. Um, so basically this is a tool that will ensure that, you know, over 400 apps um, that are on the X mode location data panel can make sure that they manage consent properly. So um, basically it'll help them follow all the legislation and privacy, um, you know, laws that are in place and guidelines that are in place right now. So they make sure that the data is collected, anonymized, and shared, um, you know, in the right in the right way. Uh, basically, what happens is developers will have options to either use X modes um, pre-made consent dialogue, or they can create their own uh, and customize it how they see fit. Um, so obviously, this is to comply with things like GDPR and CCPA and all of that legislation that you know this industry has been gearing up for and you know, making changes with over the past couple of years. Um, and then obviously collect and share the data ethically and legally. Um, I mean, I think this is great. We've seen a few companies doing consent management recently. And uh, obviously we're having huge pushes in the industry as a whole for uh, better privacy, um, you know, more clearly stated guide, you know, understanding like what we're opting in uh, as consumers for um, and how our data is going to be used. You know, I think we've seen some companies that get it right. Uh, I think Exmo does a great job at making sure that they are, um, they're going above and beyond um, with a lot of the, 
the way that they engage with clients and, and making sure that the data cannot be used in ways that would be questionable. Um, you know, including things like making sure that they're not, you know, companies are not using their data to target specific groups of people or, uh, you know, those maybe who have certain medical, um, you know, needs or are using it for credit or employment or things of that nature. So I think they do a really good job of making sure that their data is used really ethically, like above and beyond what a lot of legislation would dictate. Um, you know, I think that the future for them is probably brighter than for some of these types of players. And, you know, I know we're going to address this more next week in a lot of detail, but with certain changes and technology that, you know, Apple's rolling out and everything changing, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see how companies like Exmo navigate this uh, and, and how does this uh, impact their, their business, like their main business? Are they going to be able to shift and are they going to be able to sort of uh, manage these changing tides or, you know, will they sink? And um, I think X mode probably is, is above and beyond uh, prepared for this. And I think they will adjust as they have over the last several years. So I think consent is a great, is a great thing to be focused on um, where we've seen some other companies similar to theirs that provide data uh, that we know are providing data to, you know, maybe, governments and and things for maybe immigration policy or covering protests and things of that nature uh, that can be questionable in practice. Yeah, I, I think this is a, a super valuable service that they're putting out there. I think that there's definitely a need to focus on the consent piece. I was talking to a, uh, an, a former client of mine yesterday, uh, big, big retail brand, um, and um, there's been some discussion up here in Canada about uh, data that's being collected, location data that's being collected through an app platform and, um, you know, sort of the press, you know, making a big deal of it and people, consumers being upset. And I think at the end of the day, you know, I, I said to the, to the gentleman I was talking to, I said, like, it, it's, I don't think anything that these guys were doing is wrong. I don't think it's illegal. And in fact, it's, it's all, if you look at their privacy policies, it's all there. What's not there and what hasn't been done well by so many brands and so many app uh, providers out there is that idea of informed you know, consent and articulation of the value proposition. And I think that's really at the heart of what Exmo is trying to do here with this consent API is not just be about opt-in or opt-out or, you know, but, but be there as a way for consumers to understand along the way, you know, what is the value proposition? Because if you clearly articulate it, people generally, you know, buy in and they're generally, yeah, okay, my, I, you need my data to provide me with this service or this thing that I need. I'm okay with that. Um, and so I think that's really the sort of point that uh, that they're going after here, and I, I I think the whole industry needs to you know sort of buy you know get behind that kind of thinking, right? Of it's not just good enough to say, hey, we're collecting data and it's in our privacy policy, and people scroll through and accept. You you do need to like point out, okay, here's why we need your data. Here's what we're doing with your data, and here's why you want to give us that data because you're getting this in exchange for it. So what is that value exchange? So yeah. I like it. Good job, Exmo. All right, um, on to our second story uh, for this week. Uh, so Google, um, kind of staying on this idea of data and privacy and all this other stuff, 
is uh, announcing, last Wednesday they made an announcement that they're making some broad changes to the default data that they collect around search history and all this kind of stuff. So they say that for new users, um, they will be um, designing their products to basically auto-delete uh, your location and your search, and your search history. Um, so you don't have to go in there and kind of manually do this. Uh, they're going to do it for you um, to sort of improve, you know, what they're doing around privacy. And this is coming directly from Sundar, uh, who's the uh, CEO of Google, kind of making this announcement last week. Um, so it applies to search history, which includes web or app, uh, location history, and voice commands collected through Google Assistant or devices like Google Home. Um, so all that data, t like normally you can see in your My Activity page, they're basically building it so that it automatically kind of deletes on, you know, uh, a regular frequency. So they say the company rolled out a way to automatically delete, um, back in 2019, they rolled out a service to auto-delete every three months or 18 months. So you could, you could choose that setting. Um, and so they're basically just streamlining that and making it sort of more, um, more automatic. So there you go. What are your thoughts? I mean, you know, I think, here's what I think. I think the bottom line is that um, big corporations, and you know those that we're talking about, right? That um, I think that I do feel like there is a genuine concern for privacy because it will, it will affect their business moving forward. However, I feel like a lot of a lot of it is a front for privacy because they can monopolize um, industries, right? So I think that um, I, I mean that's great. This should have been a this should have been done from the beginning. Like this shouldn't be something that we had to wait so long for, right? Um, I mean we've seen in the past where you know Google's had their hands slapped for doing things or keeping things uh, and using our own personal data for their benefit or for the benefit of advertising and and obviously um, you know the almighty dollars. So I'm not. I mean for me it's kind of like with the big with some of the big corporations it's like too little too late uh, to really feel like oh they're doing a great job like you know pat on their back. Um, but I do think that it's the right thing to do. I think we have to move towards um, allowing consumers to really hold the power of their data and, and for all of us to be in charge of who we give that to and when um, and how we allow them to use it, including search and location history. Um, so whether that's in-app or in-search, you know, I think it needs to be something that's across the board. But, you know, like you said, it's all about providing value and providing, uh, you know, a, an exchange for those things. So how that's going to look in the future, I think is like what we're all excited to figure out and, you know, anxious to see how all of these companies navigate things big and small. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I guess like, it's not really, it's not mind blowing that they're making this announcement. I think that they just, you know, a lot of these announcements are like, look at what we're doing for privacy. We love our consumers. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think everybody's making an announcement. So like, you've got to do something, you've got to sort of stay in that news cycle and be part of it. And the reality is, is, you know, like they're for the most part keeping data for the last 18 months, which is the data that is the most valuable. It's the, the current data that they want to run ad targeting and campaigns against anyway. So, you know, it's not, you know, I think it's a, 
a nice way to say they're trying to do something, but at the end of the day, you know, they still have the vast majority of the valuable data that they want, which is the most current data anyways, uh, on what people are doing. So there you go. All right, so that's our first two stories. We do have one more for you, but before we go there, uh, we have a guest. Uh, so during this time, we've been doing this special series called Members at Home, where we've been interviewing different LBMA member companies, executives, uh, and people that are part of our community to just kind of see how COVID's impacting their businesses. So uh, earlier this week, I had a chance to sit down with JP Persico. He's the uh, Director of uh, Innovation and Strategy for Bosch USA. So Bosch is the big uh, German multinational company uh, that is in everything from appliances to auto parts to all sorts of different things. And uh, he uh, specifically is responsible for their network of stores, uh, thousands of stores across North America and Latin America uh, around the uh, auto service uh, side of things. Uh, which many of which have reopened uh, during this COVID time, especially in the U.S. market. So um, it was a good conversation. So here he is, J.P. Persco, uh, Director Innovation and Strategy from Bosch. All right, I'm very excited because we have a great guest on our show this week. A, uh, if you've been to any of our retail locos in the past uh, years, you, you may have met uh, JP, but uh, uh, JP Persico is the Director of Strategy and Innovation at Bosch USA. JP, welcome to Location Weekly. How are you? Good. Thanks, Asif, for having me. Doing well. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, um, Bosch, tell us a little bit about you know the company, your role there, what, uh, what you do. Sure. So Bosch is a multinational organization. We are a privately owned company, which is basically run by a foundation and all of our profits go into a non-profit organization. Um, we have over 400,000 employees worldwide. We are a $80 billion organization. And um, I'm in the automotive aftermarket division of Bosch, responsible for corporate development in North America and also our workshop repair business as well. Awesome. Awesome. And you have like uh, quite an extensive network of, uh, of these repair centers, right? Like how many in the U S correct. We have over 700 of our top tier network, the Bosch car service network in the United States. And all of our concepts in the U S Canada and Mexico are over 2,500, which are like the front from our entry tier to our top tier, basically. Awesome. Awesome. That's a huge network. Um, so what, what we've been doing for the last uh, number of months as we've been doing these guest interviews, we call this series Members at Home. So we're chatting with different member companies, uh, uh, community of the LBMA and so on, and just getting a sense of how COVID has really impacted business for you. So one thing I love to hear about is, you know, have you guys discovered any new tools, technology, like to make it easier for you to work with each other, uh, you know, other employees and colleagues and so on. Obviously, we heard a lot about Zoom and Slack and, and different things over the last couple of months. But what are you guys doing for that? It's similar. I mean, we're trying to keep each other up to date. And I think it's all about talking to each other more often, not being able to walk up to a desk makes it a bit more challenging. I think at the end of the day, we're, try, we're trying to use new technology and have people enabled by using new technology. 
it's interesting because we have salespeople which usually will visit all these centers and you know have to make phone calls and um, sometimes there's face FaceTime in use because you can imagine an independent business owner doesn't want to download Zoom if they already have an iPhone they just like do a FaceTime call or in certain cases what we have seen is like it's definitely changed how we interact with our customers a lot it also changed what the interact how the interaction is before the interaction was really personable because you could have a dog. You maybe brought donuts to that to that um, interaction, so everyone could have a donut when you visited your customer, or you you just chatted over a coffee or over lunch. And now you you kind of have to carve out time, and you have to be lucky if the person picks up if you couldn't schedule time because before, what well, you said, hey, I'm going to be in your area Monday next week. I'll be back. I'll be I'll be coming over, and the person you all okay, you stop by my location. I'm just anyways around, so I will make time for you. And now it's like this phone call where you need to figure out, okay, do you have time? Do you want to chat? But definitely, definitely more challenging than it was before. Yeah, and are you guys on the, on the video uh, call uh, side of things, are you standardized on like Zoom or Teams or it's kind of just whatever? Skype. <laughs> Skype. Skype. We use Skype. Skype, yeah. all right. Internally, we use Skype. Externally, we kind of like... Um, whatever people want to use, use. I mean, you're using Zoom here. It's, it all depends. Yeah, yeah, very good. So one big thing that uh, we're, we're asking a lot of people is like, you know, from a technology, from a, a service product perspective, like, have you guys found uh, that COVID uh, has created any opportunities to either test products that you had sort of in the pipeline and kind of bring them, uh, you know, to fruition faster into the market or, you know, just accelerated anything that you've been doing. Um, and, and then secondarily to that, you know, have you found any ways that uh, Bosch has been able to kind of help the, the local community or the frontline uh, worker uh, side of things? Yeah, so um, from a product perspective, I think it accelerated our current roadmap with digitalization and digital transformation of each of these individual workshops. Um, we already had in an offering one of our portfolio companies who's built a cloud-enabled solution. And it's really all this, so this solution was about is you're not interacting through paper, you're not interacting through like uh, on-site experience and actually being able remote, remotely accepting additional services done on your car or e even like accepting, for example, your invoice at the end and paying it. Um, our portfolio company did a fantastic job in rolling out a remote payment solution literally the week COVID happened and it had nothing to do that we planned this for COVID because it was already in the roadmap and the company really was lucky. Well, it wasn't lucky, but it was confidentially at the same time. So that, has, that definitely accelerated our growth. And also we, we have not seen in the adoption of our systems any dip during the time of COVID because people now see the value even more than they saw before. Um, that said though, uh, I would say when looking at technology and how we are using technology, we're definitely looking at the customer journey much more in detail. We encourage all of our all of our um, um, outlets out there to really use the biggest care possible for their employees. We also, I mean, like everyone, like PPE and things like that, we're putting that as availability. Bosch by itself, what we did for our own associates, we actually. So we are not going into the stock of the government or whatever, the supply chain out there. We actually built our own sanitation sets and we have sent those out to the people who usually will go and see customers. So they have 
they have enough supply for them so they don't have to worry, hey, does my Walgreens down the street still have, have some hand sanitizer or a PPE? I just, I get it from my employer. So that's what we have been doing for our employees, especially. That's amazing. Yeah, that's great. It's great that you have the, the capability to produce your own, uh, you know, goods in that sense. Like it's, uh, it's, you know, not everybody can do that. Right. So that's, that, that's, yeah. that's really uh, powerful to have the ability to do that. Um, la last thing to ask you, just kind of, as you think, like looking forward now, you know, obviously some economies are, are opening faster than others and certain states, you know, faster than others and so on. But like, where, where do you see kind of, let's say, you know, by the end of the summer, like, you know, as we come into sort of September, you know, if you had to predict like, you know, what's, what's going to be happening with your network of stores is any big changes that you see on the horizon? I think it really, we are really highly affected by how many times that someone drives. It's all about car usage. Yeah. I think if people feel comfortable enough this summer to take the vacation in the car, because we clearly know that airplane vacations are not really happening. I mean, the airplanes are on limited schedules and there is not enough. Actually, in most cases, they're, they're overbooked because it's not worth to run three times a row. They just run once. So I think that people will avoid airplanes in most, most types of travel. So depending on the amount of miles driven, if people are comfortable in leaving their own border of the state, if they're comfortable in traveling far, I could see us benefiting from that due to the fact that the car needs to be serviced. But on the other hand side, I also would say there is definitely the fear that we all are not going to work. Therefore, we're also not driving because the United States is a country where most people still drive to work. They don't use public transportation. Therefore, we, there might be an offset of that. So you hear that I'm doubting my own strategies due to the fact that there's so much ambiguity in the market. Um, we're hoping that first and foremost that this is going down due to the safety of the public and to the well welfare of the public and not due to our, so our business can go up again. This is a good side effect. If everyone is healthy and be able to travel and work again, then our business goes up. So for us, it's really the focus on making sure that, um, that people are safe and well. First and foremost, also when they visit our centers, when they're going to a Bosch car service location, they can expect the highest quality of service, the best care to their car, as well as the clean, cleanest handling of their car. It's all no touch. It's all making sure that people are safe. We even have some locations which offer to pick up and drop off of their vehicles. And this is for us important, first and foremost. And the business will come when everyone actually is healthy because then people can live their normal life again. Yeah, amazing, great. I love what you guys are doing, and I love the the approach to supporting your employees and your and your staff. Uh, and and it's also I, I find it fascinating right now that you know there's you know lot every company I've talked to so far over these months uh, there is some what well we're all concerned. There's a lot of health issues. There's a lot of people dying. You cannot deny that, but. Uh, many people I talk to are finding like some kind of silver lining in a way to accelerate their product roadmap or bring things forward and, and, and technology, you know, is kind of driving so much of that. So glad to hear you guys are doing similar and uh, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it and uh, stay safe and healthy and well, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Asif. Thanks very much. Okay. Thanks, JP. We really appreciate you taking time to come on our show and share and uh, fantastic things you guys are doing there. It's always great when, uh, 
you're able to kind of use your own company and your own technology and capability to kind of uh, participate in helping others during this a time like like we're facing uh, right now with COVID. So congrats on that and uh, we'll hope to see you soon. Take care. All right, our final story, I'll throw it back to, uh, to Abriana now uh, to talk about an interesting uh, partnership. Yeah, this is really interesting. So um, gearing up for the 2020 World Cup in Qatar, um, Nomadics Media has secured a contract um, with the World Cup and what they are doing or the, or the solution that they will be providing there are called eyewalkers. Um, so I took a look at their website and, you know, there's some video and kind of gives you an overview of what this solution specifically looks like, but eyewalkers are these devices that display messages on a screen. They're like a moving billboard. And at the same time, it has technology that can take in uh, facial, you know, facial expressions um, to kind of indicate if people are looking at, at the signage or, um, it, you know, is the signage and the display effective? Are people recognizing it? Are they engaging with it? And it also can identify individuals who may be posing um, public risk. So, you know, they're thinking about, um, you know, trying to combine fan experience with security and safety, um, you know, public assistance, all of those things is really what they're claiming the eyewalkers are, are targeting. So, you know, it's like, literally it is a wearable billboard. It is like this thing that sits on this guy's shoulder on the video and it has this huge screen up ahead, you know, uh, along with different, uh, you know, facial reading devices that are embedded in it. Um, and he's walking around, you know, in a crowd. So it's really, I don't know, for me, I was like, this is so far fetched, you know, this is like, this is kind of what you were thinking about with minority report, right? But now we're not talking about location data and like, you know, aggregating things together. We're talking about actually reading people's face, determining if they're posing some type of a public threat, you know, verifying if they're engaging in the media that's being shown. Um, you know, I feel like this is the future, except it won't be a person wearing it. It'll just be robots, like with these moving signs everywhere that are, you know, trying to determine if we are good or bad or making good decisions or bad decisions. So I don't know, when I think about this from like a privacy implications perspective, it's really scary to me. Um, I don't know. It's a little bit, it's a little too much in my opinion, but I could also see how something like this could be beneficial from, you know, a, for crowded spaces, you know, determining maybe levels of threat where, you know, if you're looking down on a crowd, you may not be able to see that. But if you're walking through the crowd or moving around, you may be able to notice, um, you know, things are too crowded or, you know, that there's, you know, a shuffle or something going on in certain areas. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like to me, it's a little, it's a little bit, it's a little out there. And I, I, I mean, maybe where the world cup will be taking place, it will be better received. Um, but to me, you know, North America, I don't think this would fly. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, so I think the idea of people walking around with billboards, that's normal. That's fine. That's cool. Um, I think the sensor aspect of it in terms of me me measuring how many people are looking at it, I think that's cool in terms of measuring the engagement around the ads and the content that's there. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with that, you know, but this idea of facial expression, 
you know, and, you know, sort of looking for people who might be risk factors and all this other stuff that, eh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a bit wary of that. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think I've seen these kinds of things like here, at, like walking around at Toronto Maple Leaf games here, you know, in the past, you know, where they like, it's a, basically a backpack mounted device, right? Like they throw it on and the screen comes up over their head and they walk around with these things. And, um, yeah, so, so as a digital signage mechanism, as promoting, you know, offers and merchandise and things like that in arenas and uh, stadiums, I, I get it. I think it's it can work because especially when you're in a crowd, you know, of people um, to kind of, you know, how do you get people to kind of stop and pay attention to something? Digital signage can work in that environment. So if, especially if the it's in the middle of the crowd, right, going through it. So I get that aspect of it. Um, but the sort of the... The, the sensor-based reading of it, I think, might be, to me, is a bit of a stretch. So we'll see. But I, I do like that they can measure eyeballs and engagement. So that, that I'm all over. You think that somebody will be, like, having that as they're selling, you know, cotton candy and beer at the baseball game? <laughs> yeah, potentially. Potentially, right? I mean, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, think, it, I think it's got some, some, some potential there. I mean, if we're ever in big crowds again, of course. Yes, we will. <laughs> One, day. One day. Yeah. One day, yeah. It can happen. Do you not think so? I think things are different. I think, um, yeah, I think it will happen, but I don't think that it's going to be like it was before ever. I think people are going, you know, I think like the the idea of big crowds being together for specific things will be thought of in a different way and how how can that be maybe i don't know i just think it'll be different things will go more virtual probably yeah okay well that's our uh that's our stories for this week that's our show uh <laughs> a wide range of things there a lot of discussion about privacy and data and i think we're going to continue that discussion next week as we have some uh some bigger industry impact stories i think um overall to kind of talk about with what apple and others are doing um but uh nonetheless uh, a good range of, of topics this week and a good guest uh thanks again to jp for coming on the show we Appreciate you listening and watching every week. This has been episode 471. And, uh, of course, we'll be back with another show. Have a great holiday for those of you who are celebrating this week uh, in Canada and the U.S. and maybe other places, too, that I just don't know about. Um, but, um, yeah, enjoy it. Um, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.